Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today you're in for a real treat because I have with me Dov Goldman. He is the Director of Risk and Compliance at Panarays. I knew him in a previous incarnation when he was Vice President Innovations and Alliances at Opus. And he is here to talk to us on a wide variety of topics, but most specifically the New York Department of Financial Services regulations around cybersecurity. So that incredibly long-winded introduction. First of all, Dov, welcome, and I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's good to hear your voice again. So I was wondering if you might be able to begin with telling our listeners a little bit about Panarates and your new role there. Okay, sure. Well, Panarates automates the third-party security management. So in general, it is a third-party management product. It's focused very much on security and privacy. Our platform enables companies to easily view, manage, and engage on the security posture of their third parties, which is a very broad umbrella, as you know, that includes vendors, suppliers, business partners, agents, other forms of intermediaries. It's a big ecosystem of whoever is around your company that could represent you, connect to you, or do anything for you on your behalf with your customers. It combines a continuous hacker's view, and we can talk about that more later on, define that a little bit more in depth if we need to, with the review of internal policies and controls, what we sometimes call our smart questionnaire. And the key outcome of using our platform is that with it, customers can dramatically shorten their third-party security evaluation process, and they can gain continuous visibility into the evolving security profile of their third parties at the same time while they're ensuring compliance to regulations like GDPR and, and, and the one that we're talking about today, the New York State DFS. One last point here, Panarays is a SaaS-based platform. There's no installation, and one of the glories of it is it can be up and running really immediately. So, Dov, the regulations we referenced, the New York Department of Financial Services, I'd like to say a few words about that because It's an incredibly significant regulatory body. It is a department of the state of New York. It represents financial institutions and insurance companies. But the thing that strikes me and why I was frankly so thrilled to have you on the podcast is that it leads the way for many best practices in compliance in a wide variety of other compliance fields. So as you know, I'm an anti-corruption compliance specialist, and many of my audience are also in that discipline. But the NYDFS has really led the discussion around cybersecurity and third parties in that space, and I think that is going to lead the discussion further in anti-corruption compliance around those issues. So I was wondering if you might be able to detail for the audience a little bit about the NYDFS and why these particular cybersecurity regulations are so important, starting with financial services and insurance industries. So these are great questions. First of all, it is, as you said, Tom, a New York State agency. And it is focused, and these are my words, this doesn't appear in the regulation anywhere. I believe it's focused on consumer protection. It regulates a very broad patch 
of companies in the financial services space, companies like banks, insurers, and money transfer agents, as you said. There's a few other categories, but that's the big picture. And if you remember, when this regulation came out, it was the first effective in March of 2017. It was kind of like a bolt of lightning because it addressed some issues that had been touched upon by other regulations like OCC, but not that specifically. So here we are with a, a New York state, a state agency, an agency that happens to have purview over many thousands of financial services organizations, because there's a lot of them that have a nexus of some kind in New York state. And they're saying you have to do certain things that are very important to protect our consumers and your IT operations. So just to restate one or two of those things, it's a relatively new regulation designed to protect consumers' confidential info and the information technology of regulated firms from hacking and other technology-driven threats. And again, it became effective in March of 2017. So it's still pretty new. And from my recollection, Dov, it was really the first regulator that put out a series of more than guidelines, but actual some regulation around how companies needed to think through their entire cybersecurity program because it dealt with more than third parties. But it really helped, I think, many non-financial institution, commercial entities think through a format and structure to put a cybersecurity regime in place going forward. I have to agree with you there. It's a broad regulation. It's not a tough read. It's not that long, unlike some others like GDPR, which is something like 100 pages. It's a lot shorter. But it is very broad in terms of defining a full information security program. And in that sense, it's the first regulation that I can remember, at least in the United States, seeing that resembles a control framework like NIST or ISO. It really tells you big picture and in some areas very specifically how to build and manage an information security and privacy program. And in that sense, again, bolt of lightning out of the sky from New York State, something that is really new and groundbreaking. And I think it is illuminating the path for a lot of organizations, as you said, even those that are not directly regulated, those that are outside even of financial services. So, Dov, if we could turn to specifically the final phase of the implementation, which required regulated industries that use third-party service providers to implement a third-party risk management program. And I was wondering if you could describe that for us. Yes. So, as you said here, the last phase of this regulation, or really the authority of this regulation, so to speak, came into force now, March, the beginning of this month or past month, really, um, which is the two-year mark for the regulation. We gave them two years to get their house in order. And it is a section of the regulation that essentially kind of pushes down the need for managing your own cyber in a certain way to managing the cyber risk associated with your third-party service providers and outsourcers. And it defines a series of principles that you're to follow. And some of these are new. Some of them are not so new. If you're familiar with other regulations, again, like OCC or the Fed or some of the others, FFIC in the United States and in other countries, some of these things are new, some of them are not. It mandates that you identify 
and you risk assess your third-party providers. Okay, well, that we've heard before. It requires you to have a set of minimum cybersecurity standards for your suppliers, your digital supply chain, so to speak. It requires you to have a set of due diligence processes that you apply to your subcontractors, your third-party providers, if you will. It requires you to do a periodic assessment based on risk. So essentially, there's a cadence of having to come back and look at those contracts and look at those suppliers again to see where they stand to update your understanding, your due diligence. And it provides for guidelines for the contracts and for the due diligence that you're doing, specifically in three areas. It requires access controls, encryption of the non-public information that they're holding, and it requires notification of any cybersecurity events, which does that does resemble GDPR and other regulations in the privacy space. Tom, I was wondering if you might give a few words about multi-factor authentication. That's something that people may have heard the term, but they're not exactly sure what that means. So we all encounter multi-factor authentication virtually every day. Okay, Anybody who uses, well, if you're calling your bank, this is a very simple form of it, they're going to ask you two questions that will positively identify you. Then that's not from this regulation. That's from other regulations. They're going to say, well, what's your birthday and give me your address or give me your social security number. They'll ask for a few different things, but each time only ask two of them. And so there's a rotating roster of things they can ask you. In the case of more technical multi-factor authentication, when you launch an application on your smartphone, you have to sign in. And in many cases, it's going to send a code to a telephone number or an email that you've registered in your account, and you're going to have to enter that code. And there's a time limit as to how long you can do it. So that's a very classic form of multi-factor authentication. There is one other concept here that they talk about, which is risk-based authentication, which is a little bit more sophisticated in that they ask the financial services organization to risk of each transaction, and they're going to say you're going to scale the challenge based on that risk. So that's a little different, not really conceptually different, but it's saying essentially a text message is not enough. In some cases, you're going to ratchet up how you do that authentication, that challenge based on the risk that the transaction presents. Dov, in terms of policies and procedures or sort of a, I would say a backbone of such a program, how does a company think through not only its policies and procedures pointing towards or directing its actions, but does it need to have them that it would share with third-party providers that it may be in close business relationship with? So it's kind of axiomatic that if you have a set of standards for your business, and those are standards, whether they're technical or some other form of control, and you have contractors, vendors, suppliers, outsourcers who are going to do some work for you, and they're in some way critical because, for example, you can't run your business without them, or they have your customer data, which puts you at significant risk, you'd want those standards applied to them. Because for all intents and purposes, those suppliers They're part of your ecosystem and part of your organization. They are part of what we in the cyber industry call your attack surface. 
So you really have to apply the exact same standards to them that you would apply internally. But there's an additional layer of complexity, and this is true of all third-party management. If you think about all your years of experience in bribery and corruption risk, so you can do certain things within your organization, test things, mandate things. You have access to information. You can tell people what to do. It's a little harder, as you know, when it comes to a third party. And so that's why you have to have what is often called a third-party assessment and risk management program. You're asking other organizations to meet your standards. You're negotiating with them to remediate any deficiencies to meet your standards. You can't control how they do things. It's something that you have to work with other people on, a little bit different, a little bit more complex. And this means that you have to have some tools, procedures, processes that enable the required due diligence and the compliance, which let's define that as the remediation of any issues you identify. You test the third party's policy and procedures. You look at do they have effective controls. In many cases, you find out there's some deficiencies. You need them to remediate them. And you have to be able to report on what you find. Again, this is more complicated. It's not your organization. It's many other organizations. If you think about a typical bank that may have thousands of vendors, and not all of them are going to be relevant to this particular regulation, but let's say there's a few hundred, that's a lot more complex than reporting on your internal compliance with something like this. And so it's important and it's complex. The regulation mandates that the documentation you develop be available to the superintendent upon request. So you've got to maintain the current state of your assessment of these third-party suppliers for inspection by the superintendent. That's a pretty robust requirement in compliance. There was a couple of terms I wanted to ask you about in terms of how companies might comply with this new reg, and that is scalability and visibility. Could you explain how those work as companies think through compliance with the new cybersecurity regulation? Sure. Well, as I said a few moments ago, if your particular task is testing your own cybersecurity policies and procedures, so you can expend a fair amount of effort on it. It's one time. Well, it's really, you're going to have to repeat it. You're not going to do it once, but it's one target, so to speak, for this due diligence. The issue of scalability relates to the fact that you have many suppliers and the issues you're interacting with them are complex. And it's not a once and done effort. You have to repeat it. So you could do a little simple multiplication. You could say, all right, I have one infrastructure in my company. I have one set of policy and procedures. I'm going to look at that once a year. Good. All right. Well, if I have 400 suppliers, I'm going to do it 400 times. But no, you're actually not going to do it 400 times. <laughs> you're going to do it 400 times every year, depending on the criticality of those supplier relationships. So whatever you're doing has to be efficient, has to be scalable. It has to be set up in a way that I've been calling in this industry for many years, management by exception. You can't manage all these things if you're looking at all of them all the time. You have to have some kind of set of tools that show you where there's a problem. 
and that's where you're going to focus. And so those are very critical things to think about as you format uh, how you're going to comply with this very important regulation, especially the third-party portions of it. Dov, if I could change the focus a little bit to some of the remarks you made, telling us a little bit about panel raise, and I was very intrigued. And it was around the capture the hacker's view and enforce internal policy. Can you explain to us what that is and how panel raise would help a organization in those areas? Sure. So we have what we call the 360-degree view. This is a combination of two things that you don't typically see in one platform, especially not one as easy to use as ours. We have the typical questionnaire, and our questionnaire is smart. It scales according to the particular business relationship that you have with a given third party. So we're not going to ask all of the questions every time. We're going to ask the ones that are relevant to your relationship. That's a good thing to do because it makes it easier on the third party, makes it more likely they're going to answer that questionnaire. And then at the same time, really in parallel, we are scanning this organization that you're targeting, your third party. We are mapping their digital assets. And that's a non-simple task. It's a quite a complex task. We're finding everything they own in cyberspace. And then we're testing them for, well, 10,000 different and more. We're constantly adding to this database ways that hackers could penetrate that attack surface, this huge attack surface. So just to go back over that, we're mapping their digital assets. We're looking at what they have out there in cyberspace. And then we're looking for vulnerabilities. So I'm going to give you a couple of simple ones, but we're looking at thousands, and I can't enumerate them, obviously, in a short meeting like this. But for example, you want to find out if somebody left a port on a router open. Well, that's easy to see from outside. We can see that. We want to see if there's an old version of some software, let's say in a web server or an application, because it's easy to penetrate There are often Microsoft and every other vendor out there releases updates that acknowledge security flaws. So we want to find the old versions of the software. We have a team of cybersecurity researchers sitting here in our office constantly updating our database and understanding how hackers find what they call attack vectors. And so we're testing what we mapped in the cybersecurity inventory, asset inventory of the targeted company. Let's pull all that together. So you have a new supplier. You're going to identify what you do, how you interact with the supplier. Do they have your information for a long time or for a short time? Do they connect to your network so that we know which controls to test? We're going to send a smart questionnaire scaled to that particular relationship profile. And we're going to scan that vendor and we're going to surface any problems that we find. And we're, by the way, going to recommend how to remediate those problems. So let's say that there's an old version of some software. We're going to tell you, you can share this directly with your vendor through this platform. We're going to give you the reason why this particular vulnerability is a problem in plain English, and we're going to say what should be done about it. So it's very important. It's actionable information. Another crucial concept in our platform is that we scan, we send the questionnaire out. Okay, great. We have a picture we tell of what's going on right now. We tell the vendor, we'd like you to fix this and this and this. Okay, great. We track their progress towards fixing it. Wonderful. 
what happens a month from now when somebody leaves a port open or there's another update to some piece of server software? Did they apply that patch? Did they close that port? We're scanning them constantly, and we're showing you alerts when there's a problem. So what we've done here, and by the way, the vendor can go into our portal and update their questionnaire at any time, their security inquiry, we call it in the platform, to give you the latest information. So we have a very fast way to get you to a good picture, a clear picture, an accurate picture of your third party's security posture, and then we're going to keep it current. We're going to monitor it. And that way, you're covered at all points. Well, Dov, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but this has been an incredible exploration and explanation of not only the new New York Department of Financial Services regulations that are now effective, but also, I think, and certainly a broader discussion about cybersecurity and how a compliance practitioner can think through how to implement policies, procedures, and practices in their organization, and also some of the tools that Panoray offers in that space. And I was wondering if we could end up with, if listeners wanted any more information, where could they go for that information? Of course. Well, first of all, if you Google NYSDFS, or NYS DFS Part 500, you're going to get lots of information. This particular regulation is not a hard read and relative to others that I've spent time digesting. And of course, I'd like to encourage our listeners to come onto our website, www.panorays.com, and you'll find good information there, not just about a product, but about compliance with regulations and the latest thinking on cybersecurity. Well, Dov, I wanted to thank you again and look forward to continuing the conversation. Likewise, Tom. Great to talk to you. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.